This is Welcome to Dylan's House, our family's real-life story navigating autism and how it inspired us to pay it forward. Join us, meet us, give back. Dylan'sHouse.org. Thank you for joining us here again at Welcome to Dylan's House. Again, I'm here with my lovely wife, Amy. Say hello, Amy. Hi there. We are Kevin and Amy Shope, and this podcast is about our family and navigating uh, the world of autism with our now 22-year-old son, Dylan, and how it inspired us to give back and start our own nonprofit organization to help others. So on the last episode, Amy, you know, we kind of were talking a lot about the situation within our home and having to nail shut the windows, having to have the doors lock and unlock from the inside because Dylan was such a runner and we had elopement issues and it was a safety issue. And, you know, we also touched on some of the so-called typical things that we weren't able to do as a family, like go to the pool, do trick or treats and how we were kind of almost, you know, as a family captives within our own house because of, you know, being concerned about Dylan's safety and some of the behavior issues. So wanted to stay on some similar topics just around what life was was like in that house. And, you know, the first thing I wanted to touch on, we talked also in episode one about in Dylan's first couple of years, you know, he was hitting a lot of the milestones early, right? Walking, crawling, things like that. Obviously, wasn't speaking, which led us to the diagnosis. But the other thing that was a struggle for us for many, many, many years was toileting and toilet training. So maybe you could talk a little bit about our experiences with that with Dylan. So yes, this is a big topic and and it's, and it's still, it still can be a situation. So yes, Dylan was not toilet trained even when he moved out when he was 17, which I'm jumping ahead, but even when he moved out when he was 17, he was not toilet trained. And, you know, as a mom, First of all, dealing with the autism diagnosis was hard enough, but as a mom, and I think sometimes we all feel judged, it's really hard when your child is wearing a pull-up or even an adult diaper, and, you know, it's awkward when they're five, six, seven, but I think it can be explained away a little bit with autism, but when they're 12, 13, I don't need to name all the ages, And, you know, you've got them at the store and they've got a diaper on that you can see. It's pretty intense. And, you know, you wonder where to even start with this conversation because obviously you want your child to be toilet trained. Obviously you try everything that you can. So why don't you start with how we tried to toilet train Dylan as you would a typical child? And, you know, I had and I had the I had good friends who I love that would say just, you know, and they were trying to help, you know, get him some cute underpants, get him the little targets for the toilet. And, you know, there might've been a few times, I don't even remember that he would pee appropriately like he was supposed to, but I mean, it's a pretty, you know, we're just going to basically be talking about poop in this episode. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I'm not going to say number two because well, we, that's just stupid. Yeah, we said we were going to be real and raw, right? We're going to so be real. Here so we are, beginning of episode two. Episode through, two. Following through on that promise. So. We're going to be talking about poop. So he just 
would not go on the toilet. And we had an amazing, at you know, later on from 12 on, we had an amazing school that Dylan went to, which I know we'll touch on at some point. And we have an amazing neurologist. And I feel like we always had a good team of people. And, you know, we used and believed in ABA, which is Applied Behavior Analysis, for um, some of Dylan's treatment, per se. And I remember we hired, and this was not Dylan's school. This was Mm -hmm. prior to them. We hired another team. And, you know, we were like every other family. I know we really didn't touch on our jobs or what we do for a living, but, you know, we were struggling as far as everything was private pay with autism. Mm -hmm. Nothing was covered by insurance. So I remember... And and, and we both... Not to interrupt you, but we both worked for, we're both in financial services. Yes. You now have your own firm. But, I, you know, at the time, we both worked for large financial institutions, right? And we had what you would consider good insurance plans. Right. Right? But at the time, and I think it's still a struggle today, this, this stuff just wasn't covered for no. autism. They didn't cover ABA especially. And it could be $110, $120 an hour. Mm-hmm travel time. So I remember signing up with this, I don't let's call it group. And they said basically for $5,000, they could guarantee that Dylan would be toilet trained. And you know, $5,000, I don't know, 15 years ago. I mean, it's a lot of money today. It's a lot of money today. To us as a young family, it was a lot of money. And people would think you were actually crazy if you were going to pay someone $5,000 to toilet train your child. But We were already isolated enough, but it's really hard to go to somebody's house, even like your parents, for example, Mm -hmm. amazing, gorgeous house that they lived in and then have Dylan go off and hide at like seven or eight years old and have an accident Mm -hmm. and then strip down naked. And, you know, it's like taking your dog to someone's house and they have an accident and you're hiding in the bathroom or the family room or the bedroom trying to clean it up. So we agreed to to do the $5,000 toilet training. It didn't work. Well, like you said, it's almost like, you know, someone else would worry about taking their dog to someone's house and them having an accident. I mean, this was our son who was 8, 10, 12 years old. Yes. Um, you know, that we would worry about. And I remember it was, and I, and I hate to admit this now, but... I think we all felt some embarrassment over it, right? Yes. Um, you know, whether it was taking them somewhere out in public or, like you said, taking them to, like, a family or a friend's house. I feel almost horrible admitting it, but I think there was some degree of it was very embarrassing for us that here is our son who's 10, 12 years old or whatever, and, you know, they had an accident in your house. I mean, I remember one time... Um, he was at a birthday party. I can't remember if it was McDonald's or, or Burger King. It was his birthday party. It was his birthday he, party. Yeah. Right? And it was, I can't remember which of those it was, but it was one of those fast food restaurants that have the indoor playhouses. And he actually had an accident. And again, here we go talking about poop. There was poop in the ball pit. Right. Um, he climbed up the thing at McDonald's at his party. Right. And well, it's definitely was embarrassing for because even I've always said lots of times, even around the other parents that had special needs children or children with autism, Dylan, from my view, had the worst behaviors. Mm -hmm. So 
And now we've come to realize that there are others out there that yes. dealt with similar and there are others out there that had to deal with, you a know, more worse. severe issues than we have. Yes. So but at the time, yes, that's, that's what you seemed. think. That's the way it seemed. And it would be embarrassing because, you know, we have wonderful families. Uh, my parents are, have passed away. 15 years ago, we lost um, Kevin's dad a year ago and amazing. I mean, my dad, I was very close with, but he would, he would even get annoyed. He'd be over. He'd get annoyed with Dylan. Come on, Dylan, you know better than this. Don't be doing this. And even at your parents' house, it's awkward. They never said anything ever. But when you have to excuse yourself with a 10 year old or a 12 year old, it's like, if there's any new moms that are listening, you know, it's, it's perfectly acceptable when your baby has an accident you go and you change them. But when it's a 10 year old, a 12 year old, a 15 year old, it's one of the most awkward things. And we tried everything. And of course, this is a topic we haven't touched on, but a lot of these stories we're telling what normally happened after is then we would fight because it's mm-hmm. really stressful and it's very upsetting and you're supposed to be at somebody's house for Christmas and you know one of us has to go sneak away to a bathroom even though no one thinks that you're sneak everyone knows what you're doing it's not a secret right no I, it yeah the amount of stress you know that and other things created you know I look back and wonder how we made it through I know. <laughs> but we did so good for us um <laughs> but you know, and then you talk about, I don't know if we've used the term, you know, war zone yet, but I've heard you use that before and say, you know, back in the day when we were all at home and kind of locked into our house, our house was pretty much a war zone in a lot of ways. And one of the ways, you know, had a lot to do with toileting issues. It did. And, you know, Dylan would, you know, he did not want to have a bowel movement on the toilet, so he would hold it in. And then that would all, you know... A lot of times end up, you know, with him being constipated. And then when he did release, you know, it could be a big mess. The other thing he liked to do, and again, keeping it real here, but, you know, if he had poop in his pants, it wouldn't stay there. I mean, he would pick it out of there. He would put it on the floor. He would throw it in our house. Again, it's it, it seems kind of, you know, weird to look back and laugh on it now, but yeah, I remember we'd be sitting in the family room and we'd hear that noise of something being thrown against the window. Right. And it was Dylan throwing right. poop against the window. A and lot it, was, of, it wasn't like a one-time thing. It was on a pretty regular basis. Oh, it was a, a lot of people have maybe never heard the sound of a big turd hitting the window. I think that's probably but, a pretty true statement. And, it, you know, we definitely didn't laugh about things. And I feel like we were maybe even always angry. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we, we didn't, like, sit around at the time going, oh, Kevin, oh, that's so funny. Dylan just pooped his pants. We really would probably get in a fight. Mm-hmm. Because we would be so frustrated with the situation. And, you know, you feel really hopeless when you think, I honestly thought he would never be toilet trained, ever. Mm -hmm. I honestly thought he would wear adult diapers, which, you know, they make, I can remember, probably sounds like I'm a horrible mom, literally shoving him into a pull-up for as long as possible. They only go so big. Right. They're only made for... You know, not adults. Right. But I wanted to keep buying those pull-ups. And then when I discovered, like, the good nights or whatever they are, I mean, they, you know, they really yeah. didn't even, like, fit. But to move to, like, adult, like an actual diaper 
that you had to put on was something that I just never wanted it, to it was, do. It was probably like you were like squeezing them into these pull-ups or diapers that were made for younger children and not breaking down and buying the actual adult diapers because maybe in the back of your mind that was like we were giving up, right? Right, right. And I didn't want to, you know, want to accept that. Like, because really, if you think about it, I would always think his life could be so much different if he had that form of independence. Mm -hmm. Because it was complete panic mode to be anywhere in public with him. Because like you mentioned... He didn't, the second he would have an accident, he would want to get naked. He's kind of like naked is probably a whole episode in itself. But if his shirt got wet, he would take it off. Mm -hmm. If he, so, you know, it's a sensory issue. Mm -hmm. So you would think that you're going to be. Probably the same reason he wouldn't keep poop in his pants too. It's a sensory issue. Right. So if you're at like, you know, Perkins having breakfast on a Saturday morning and he has an accident, there's literally nothing that was preventing him from standing up and pulling his pants. And, you know, sometimes I did put him in underwear if he'd have an accident right before we leave and we'd be going somewhere and we weren't going to be gone long. I would put him in underwear. Mm-hmm. I don't really know why. Cause it never worked out well. Right. And this is, this is something that, you know, not only limited what we could do with Dylan, Put all the behaviors and everything else aside, just this one issue, it really limited us from what we could do with Dylan, where we could take him, and really what we could do as a family. And obviously that affected our daughter Anderson too. But it's also something that, you know, we talked about amongst you and I, but I don't think it's something that we were proud really to share with friends and, and extended family you know, that we had this this issue with Dylan and no, now, you now, don't now, talk about now it. we're doing it on a podcast. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's something we really shared with others because it's it's you know, you think it's embarrassing. I don't think that people probably comprehend. I even had someone say to me one time, oh, just drop him off at my house. I'll have him toilet trained by the right. time the weekend's over. And I probably should have taken that person up on it. Yeah. I should have just <laughs> dropped him off. And that would have went. been interesting to see how that would have turned out. But it's definitely an issue that a lot of families are dealing with. It's a lot more common than you would realize. And it's hard to, you know, it is embarrassing. I'm sure Anderson was embarrassed as amazing of a sister as she is. But it's definitely a hot topic. Definitely. And the good news is, um, you know, now... He is toilet trained for the most part. For the most part. Um, He still wears uh, an adult diaper at night so he doesn't wet the bed. But for the most part, accidents accidents are very, very limited. And they're usually an attention-seeking situation. Right. So if something's going on in his house and he wants to get attention, or I'm not saying that any caregivers do this, but if someone's not paying attention to him for an extended period of time... It's something that he does um, to get attention. But about three months after he moved out, he was toilet trained. He wears underwear. He goes to the bathroom. It's Who would think you'd get so excited? Again, like Dylan comes over every Sunday to our house and visits. And you wouldn't think you'd get so excited when your 22-year-old son comes over and they like yell through the house that they have to poop. But it's, I could literally cry every time he says it. And so, I, <laughs> I even say to Kevin, and he yells at me all the time. I try to give him, like, details, like, oh, my gosh, he just 
went to the bathroom on the toilet completely unassisted. And so, so this will be a topic for definitely for another episode, but just to build on that real quick. Yes. Yeah. So Dylan is very routine oriented, definitely OCD, um, has been diagnosed with that. And yes, his, from going, not being to- toilet trained for all those years to now, he has a Sunday routine of coming over to mom and dad's house. We go get Chipotle. He eats his Chipotle and then he goes to the bathroom. He has a yeah. bowel movement. <laughs> so that is Dylan's routine now, uh, what he does at mom and dad's every Sunday. And I don't care. It makes me really happy because it was something that I never thought I would see happen. Yeah. Did you feel like, and we touched on this a little bit, but I can tell you what I think, but did you feel like, you know, the toileting issue was something that, you know, you felt that you were failing as a parent because we couldn't get them toilet trained? Yeah, definitely. Because everyone that I was friends with in the autism world, it seemed like their child was toilet trained. And it was kind of like, did I do a really bad job when he was little? Did I miss the window? You know, should I have tried a lot harder when he was two, three, four, five? And I completely felt like it was my fault. It's And I couldn't understand what I could have done differently or why other parents, you know, had their child. I mean, there are plenty of severely autistic individuals that are nonverbal that they're that they're toilet trained right away. Right. So, yes, it was. Well, yeah, and that reminds me of and we talked about this before, but, you know, autism spectrum disorder, just, you know, spectrum, right, being such a and it's tough. You know, like you said, we, we know other individuals that had autistic children. And like you said, they might be toilet trained, right? But they might have other issues or other behaviors that Dylan, they're, they're just no, it seems like no two cases the same when you look at individuals on the spectrum. I'm sure you've heard the quote, and I don't know where it came from, but if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Exactly. So other than toileting, another issue I want to touch on that was going on and as you'd like to say the war zone which was our house at that time was dylan's sleeping habits yes so what were dylan's sleeping habits like as he was growing up sleep is just um you don't realize how important sleep is until you don't get it and it was funny because i think we touched on this in our first episode he slept through the night at like eight weeks old Mm -hmm. he was the best sleeper he took amazing naps every afternoon. I He took a nap until, I don't even know, he was five, six, seven, because we would shut the whole house down. Anderson took a nap. Kevin <laughs> took a nap. They all took a nap, the three of them. We unplugged the phone. So that yeah, it's, And it's funny, <laughs> you mentioned a few times how like plan-oriented and routine kind of family, you know, we, we are and we were. And I forgot about that. I mean, weekend naps. Right. Saturdays and Sundays were a big deal. And we did not want to let, you know, Dylan stop, you know, all kids stop taking, I don't know what the typical age is, but stop taking naps at some point, right? We did not want to let that go with Dylan. And we rode that as long as we could. And I think it was because just as a family, we all, you know, Saturdays and Sundays were such long days, right? During the week, yeah, we kind of had a break to go to work, right? Exactly. But Saturdays and Sundays, we had all day together as a family. And I think, you know, that nap time was really just an hour or two in the middle of the day for the whole family. 
to get a break from what was going on in our house. So, yes. yeah, we, we shut it down. I mean, back then we still had the landline phone. I remember we would like turn the ringer off, like yes. everything to make sure we had that nap time. I know. And they both took really good naps. And <clears throat> but he really didn't sleep well at night. And I guess it's a blur to me. I don't remember exactly when it started, but it pretty much lasted like for 17 years. So he, you never know. One night he might sleep the whole night, but another night we could put him to bed. And and we always had a bedtime routine. I mean, even when he was 17 years old, he would fall asleep on the couch with one of us patting his back. One of his most favorite things in the world is to have his back patted. To this day. To this day. Yep. And if he really loves you, he'll start humming. <laughs> he will. And he will hum, and you will pat his back, and he's so happy. And so Kevin would pat his back, and he would fall asleep, and then Kevin would kind of wake him up, get him up in his bed, and he'd be out. And you and he took every sleep medicine. I mean, he took melatonin, prescription, you know, that our neurologist obviously closely monitored. And it didn't matter. He could get up at midnight. And that could start a progression of literally every hour, midnight, one, two, three, lots of times up at like three or four for good, mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. now. And then he'd be pretty and I've I've pretty much tracked it in my own head because he even does this now when he stays with us up at the lake. He is usually pretty wide awake for like an hour. Say he's awake for good at four. He's pretty wild for like an hour and moving around, riding his scooter, eating chips and he will fall back to sleep and take some naps on the couch, but it's very sporadic. It's, you know, he's still talking and, you know, as an adult, it's hard to fall asleep, you know, on demand. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like having a newborn for 17 years because there was no true sleep pattern. And I tried everything. He had bunk beds. I don't know if you remember his bunk beds and they were so cute. They went, I do. you know, and. I would sleep in the bottom bunk bed with him Mm -hmm. and I would try to literally not move. I would lay there on the edge, like in so much pain, but he'd be asleep. And if I would move, it would wake him up. And then he'd want to go downstairs and start riding his scooter. Obviously he moved into like a bigger bed. I probably spent more nights in his bed with him than an hour bed. More time. Yeah, Yeah. I would agree. When Dylan would wake up throughout the nights, whether it was temporary, whether it was for good, um, he would want Amy. So, you know, I don't know how you did it. I appreciate that you did it. But like you said, just, you know, getting a couple hours of sleep a night or sleeping more than half the night in a single bunk bed with your son when he's 14, 15 years old, because that's the only way to get him to go to bed. And then it's not like when he went to school, you could take a nap, right? So you had a full-time job. Yes. Um, I don't know how you did it, um, survive on, on, on that amount of sleep. But um, I just want to be clear that it was, it was always mom that Dylan wanted when he would wake up in the middle of the night. Well, he did. And he still does. I mean, but he just, and that's a lot of it too, I think, is that he just wanted to like be with me. And obviously I'm not a medical professional to understand like the sleep situation, Um, But for whatever reason, because it's another very common thing among autism or sleep issues. And I mean, there are families out there that their children are not sleeping sometimes for two and three nights in a row. And it's not like they can't be unsupervised. 
So it's not like he could just be downstairs by right, himself. Right, you can't just put him in front of the TV and go no, back to bed. he wouldn't do it. I mean, he, who knows what he would have done. As we talked about, let set the right. microwave on fire. <laughs> who knows what? Um, yes, but sleep and toileting were definitely two huge issues. So, Okay. Anything we haven't hit on as far as what that was like in our house? I know in the last episode we talked about some of the elopement and... We, we hit on, you know, I don't know if we'll call this the poop episode or not, but we definitely talked a lot about toileting on this one, talked about the sleeping. I, I, I mean, anything else that kind of to wrap up this episode? I mean, I feel like, you know, they're kind of heavy topics. And sometimes we do laugh like when we're talking about them now. But, you know, living in the moment, it wasn't necessarily very funny. And I would just say for anybody listening out there that, you know, there is always hope. Who would ever think that they would be thrilled that they got their child toilet trained at the age of 17? Uh So I guess if you're listening to our poop episode, you're either lucky enough that you've never heard the sound of a turd hitting the window, (laughs) or if you're still thinking, man, this is my life, hang in there. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say kind of similar to that, and I touched on this earlier, you know, we didn't talk a lot about it, right? A lot of, a lot of these things that were going on inside our home because I think at the time we were embarrassed to talk about it. You know, we didn't want other people to know. And I really think, you know, the last year or two since we started the nonprofit, you know, we've shared more of these stories with others, whether it's, you know, other families we've met, people on our board, and just overall, you know, people are very understanding, right? And they're they like, are. you know, we knew you were having problems. We knew it was rough, but we didn't, we never knew exactly what was going on. Well, that's because we didn't share it, right? right. We kept it within our home. We did. Um, but people, you know, are often much more understanding than, than you might give them credit for. So, yes. So I think that will wrap up uh, our episode here today. Thanks, everyone, for joining. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Welcome to Dylan's House was made possible by our partnership with Dandelion Inc. Follow our journey at Dylan's House on Facebook and TikTok. This is Dylan's House on Instagram and learn more about us at dylanshouse.org. If you like our stories at Welcome to Dylan's House, please subscribe, like, and share.